what it do, Kung Fu? We're back in the ring uh, with a special guest today. We got Dwight Taylor Sr. And he's joining me in the ring today. And we're going to be talking about some major heat, heat, heat. This guy here is dominate your day. Yeah. Man, this guy is just energy all day. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to have him, man. I've been, I've been wanting to connect with him for quite some time. And the stars finally in line, and he's joining us today. We're going to talk about everything. I mean, you were named by the Sacramento Kings junior, junior NBA coach. Of the junior year. NBA yeah. coach. Uh, yeah. Your, your basketball career, as far as coaching and all yeah. that. Uh, how how you got into being an author, and, and then now you're at schools. Everywhere. It's just so much to <laughs> so much to gain from him, and. That's what we're going to be on. So, man, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Thank you for having me. Love. Yeah. And then also, fun fact, man, he's a, he's, so I have a big audience of boxing, obviously. Yeah. So, Andre Ward is Dwight Taylor's cousin. So, best friend. Oh, best friend. Best, best friend. friend. Yeah. So, give us that. Let's start with that story. How are you hooked up with, with, with Ward? Fact. So, so me and Dre went to rival high schools in, in the Bay Area. So, he went to Hayward High. Yeah. I went to Bishop O'Dowd High. Oh, shit. And so uh, we two years apart. I'm two years older, just mm-hmm. so he know who the big homie is. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, so we went to schools in. I knew of him just because, you know, he boxed, played sports. But we really connected back in 2007. I believe it was 2007. We was at a conference together. And, um, and we connected there, started talking about high school. And we was like, oh, man, we connected back in the day. And so yeah. uh, from there, we just hit it off. Bro, you know what I mean? We started just seeing how many how much similarities we had. You know, we both men of faith. And so we was talking about that. Yeah. We love sports. We love boxing. Obviously, he loved boxing more than I love boxing. Yeah. Um, he, he don't mind getting hit. I ain't trying to get hit, especially with no gloves on. We got to take the gloves off if I get hit. Um, you get you know, the, it's going to be real. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have that. Like, I don't have that self-control. Um, but yeah, we, we tapped in right around 07 and been locked in since then. So it's been about 15 years. You know what Damn. I'm saying? Um, and in 2009, fun fact, um, for his first title, def- title fight against, uh, I think it was Mikhail Kovalev in the Super Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at Oakland Coliseum, or it was at, the Oracle, or whatever Oracle, it was called. It was Oracle. Oracle I was by there. the time. Yeah. So um, I brought him out. So if you go back to that footage, I'm in the middle of the ring, rapping. Oh, shit. He, and he walks out to my song. It's called The Greatest of All Time. And so I'm in the middle of the ring, 2009, on Showtime, in front of all the people that was there. One point, whatever million people was yeah. watching, and so uh, I brought him out to his first title def- uh, title fight, and he ended up winning that fight and getting the title. You know yeah, what I mean? So, so, badass. so, Dre, if you're watching this, which you should be, you just know I I still deserve something for helping you win that, <laughs> that title. But yeah, that's that's the bro. I love him so much, man. He's a stand up man, stand up, yeah, straight up, you know, man. gentleman. But when it comes to him being a, a husband and a father, like that's the part that I really enjoy, man. Is just because. He care about his family. No, he and does. I don't find a lot of men who can have Especially. the rhythm to be able to live that type of life of that career where you you need it so much, right? Yep. And to produce at a high level, you got to be gone. Yeah. But then still be able to give what he needs to give to his wife and his kids. And so, uh, yeah, man, that that's what it's attracts inspiring. me to him, and, 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 and wants me to you know encourages me to continue to just support him and Rudy Moss. So. Hell yeah, man, that's ba- that's dope. That's yeah. a dope ass story. Yeah. But now let's get to you, man. Yeah, man. Let's get to you. So you grew up in the Bay. Facts. Uh, born and raised there, or yeah, your parents also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you straight from the Bay. Straight from the Bay. Um, and what brought you to SAC? A lot. Okay. A lot. <laughs> I feel like the stories in yeah, into that. Yeah, yeah. So let's start from the beginning. Give me so, your, give me your childhood uh, years, high school, everything. Give me, yeah. give me so I'm, a, I'm gonna run through that part just because most people. 
Um, they like hearing the high level, but this part actually sets me up for the high level, right? Yeah. So from the Bay Area, from Richmond, California to be yeah. exact, um, but lived all over the Bay Area. My mother was 17, father was 18 when they had me, so they was young. I Fortunately, Fortunately, you know, they had my grandparents, which was their parents to come around them as that village that most people talk about. Right. It takes a village to raise a child. And so I had my grandparents in my corner, had aunties and uncles and just multiple family members who came around me just to pour that extra love and that extra care that my, my parents desired to. But, you know, when you're 17 and 18, you thinking about high school, you thinking about prom, you thinking about each and every other thing outside of raising a child as your first priority. Um, and so, man, they, they were blessed enough to have that that family and that support around them. Fast forward, ended up going to Bishop O'Dowd High School, playing hoop, loved hoop, but that wasn't my first love. My first love was baseball. You know really? what I'm saying? Yeah, first love was baseball. I started playing baseball at four years old. And um, I found sp through sports, my leadership capabilities start showing, right? Seven, eight, nine years old. I wasn't the best hitter on the team, but I knew how to hit. I knew how to get a single. I knew how to drag bunt. I could bat lefty and righty. I was fast. I could steal bases. I'm a lefty, so I'm throwing curveballs, circle change, all that. But because I can do all that, I was able to lead people in different areas. And my grandparents start pointing out very early in my life, like, man, you're going to be a great leader one day. Just by the way that you handle yourself in sports and how you handle yourself with people, like not only do you care for people, but you also care to show the best example for people. Yeah. And so uh, when I think about sports, when I think about boxing, when I think about anything um, competitive, I'm always trying to encourage folks like there's so many gems and so much value that you can learn just from any sport that you that you put yourself within. So baseball was the first love, ended up playing hoop. Um, and I, I want to share this because I think it's very important. I did not play baseball in high school because. I didn't have the right mindset. And what I mean by that is I, I knew there was tryouts. I was a freshman in high school. I knew tryouts was happening. I told some of my boys, hey, I'm about to try out for baseball. One of the older G's, he was junior, senior, I'm saying older, but at the time, you know, he, yeah. he, he, he the big homie. big homie, yeah, for sure. He was like, black people don't play baseball at this school. We play basketball and football. That's all I needed to hear. Mind you, I'm only on campus a couple weeks. I'm hearing from a junior, senior in high school. A big homie. Black folks don't play baseball here. Baseball was my first love. I didn't even tell them that was my first love. I was just like, oh, okay, well, I'm not playing baseball. One of my biggest regrets in my life, man. Um, not having the mindset of being a leader, but more yeah. so that following. So it's crazy, right? My grandparents seen me as a leader. The reality was I didn't feel myself as being a leader. You didn't, you didn't see yourself. I didn't, you see didn't believe it. it. I didn't believe it. They seen something in me, but... I needed to feel it. I needed to know it and I needed to believe it. And at that point, I didn't. So I followed. I ended up playing hoop. From there, went to Fresno State University, ran track, uh, ran a 200, 400, 4 by one 4 by 4 I did a little bit of high jump. That really wasn't my thing. But um, I, I stayed. So you played hoop all high school? I played all high school. And then where the, how did track come about? Just because? I went to Fresno and uh, one of my boys was running track. And he, he, said, he said, black people play run track here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, no, nah, he didn't say that. But he did say, he was like, bro, you fast. Yeah. You might as well come out here and see what you can do. And long story short, I ended up uh, making the team. So I'm a, I love to say I'm a division one athlete by accident. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? By accident, because I didn't care nothing about track. You're not going to have me running circles for no reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, running. I'm like, what am I trying to get to right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, you got me really running all day long. And this is the only thing we do in practice? Nah, yeah. I'm not really feeling that. But I ended up doing it again. I love the community. I love the camaraderie. I love yeah. the team aspect of it. And although 
the majority of the stuff I'm doing is by myself. When I'm on that four by four, that four by one, I got people counting on me. But then yeah. there's a collective team, right, that I'm on. And so my leadership began to also show through that. At this point, though, I started to believe and feel that, you know what? I think I got something. Yeah. I think I have something. And what I had at that point was influence. And I believe one of the biggest leadership traits is influence, being able to get people to go in a certain direction. Yeah. Right. And that's what I felt um, when I was at Fresno State. So one of the biggest things that I take away from just my time, because I was reckless. You know I mean, I'm gonna keep it solid with you. I'm gonna keep it solid. I was reckless at Fresno State. Um, people who know me now and, and knew me then, they like, right. but that's a whole 180. Like, who are you now? You know what I'm saying? You motivating people in the right way back then. You was motivating people to go to the club every single night. You know what I'm saying? Bruh, I, we was in the club Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but still doing what I needed to do in class, right? Yeah. Like I was that person. And so, uh, so did that Fresno State University, graduated in 04, got my bachelor's of science degree in child development because I always loved young people. That comes from my family. My family is a bunch of educators and they always wanted to pour into youth, pour into young people. And so uh, I just had that innate draw towards young folks. And so I uh, graduated with my degree in 2004, stayed out there an extra year to help one of my best friends start a group home and then moved back to Richmond in 05 to start my own nonprofit organization. Because in this moment, I was like, I need to start giving back or paying forward what my grandparents, aunties, uncles, my village poured into me all these years. So I moved back. I started a nonprofit. Fast forward 2007. I meet my wife. 2008, we get married. 2013, we get separated. 2014, we get divorced. 2016, we get back remarried. So we on uh, round two, round two, hey. year six. Wow. And we got three kids now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's a lot, bro. I was in the, that was my next question. I'm like, you told me you had three kids. Yeah. And I heard the club yeah. story. I'm like, I wonder if it's yeah. the same. It was the same. So, so. Did she go to Fresno too? Nah, she didn't go to Fresno. So she's from Vallejo, California, but okay. she was in the military, Air Force. Um, the crazy thing is. Where'd you meet her? So I met her at church. I met her at church in Fairfield. Oh, Both shit. of us trying to change our life around and, and do the positive because uh, I ain't going to put her on blast because yeah. I'm going to have to go home to her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can talk to you and I can yeah. talk to y'all, but we'll, we'll cut that. Part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, man, she uh, we met at a church in Fairfield. And the crazy thing is we found out that we were both at the same party when we was like 18. How the hell you come about that? Because we was talking about people that I knew from Vallejo, Yo. even though I'm from Richmond. But I lived in Vallejo. I told you I lived all over the Bay Area. And so I lived in Vallejo. Kicked it with some folks, and she was like, "Wait a minute, those I know them. Those my people. They played hoop." And I was like, "Yeah, I played hoop with them." And we started putting it together, and I was like, "Man, I remember going to this one party at this big old mansion in Concord." And she was like, "Wait a minute, was it white? Did it have waterfall?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it had this." And she was like, "Was it too many people?" And the cops came. I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> we we ended up being at the same party back years prior before you know, anything didn't even know and so uh we just believe it was meant to be even Hell though yeah. we went through what we went through um we here now you did yeah. what i'm saying we're that's funny now. you said that man i had the same thing with my wife mm. uh we were at the same uh we were at the same wedding when she was 15. okay and i was like i think it was like 16 17. Mm. but same we talked yeah. about it 10 years later we we're like yeah. what you were at that wedding yeah. too yeah. yeah same yeah so um so so to, to fast forward to where we are now man you know my wife and I, we round two, year six, got three kids. Oldest son is about to be 20. Uh, youngest son just turned 19. And our beautiful baby girl is 11, who'll be 12 in August. And my oldest son, Dwight Jr., just blessed me with a granddaughter. 
So I'm a grandpa out here in these streets. I'm a grandfather, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm, I'm taking it with pride. Um, I'm excited about it. At the same time, as a father, I just want my son to be the very best father he can be. So uh, yeah. yeah, man. So that's oh, the personal you, side. You said it the, the right example. Yeah. So where did this uh, music stuff come about? Yeah, man. Um, so I, I'm curious about that. Yeah, yeah. And most people are, because I don't, I don't always tell that side of the story, yeah. right? I tell what people ask me. Again, with me being a professional communicator who communicates effectively, I teach people only answer what's asked of you, right? And mm -hmm. so in that, most people don't do what you just did. They won't even come back to that part. They have missed that whole part. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm gonna talk about what you wanna talk about. Yeah. But I appreciate you asking that because um, I get to shout out my father. So my father, uh, heavy in music, used to DJ back with uh, uh, Dr. Dre, like back in the day, you know what I'm saying? They would be at similar venues and DJing. And um, he had a group back in the day called IGO Posse called It's Going On. You can look it up, uh, just Google it. You dig what I'm saying? And um, he just, he, he really propelled my love for music. I would be in the garage, right? Let me date myself. So I was born in 82, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I'm 1987, I'm in a garage and they over here with cassettes. Some of y'all probably don't even know what a cassette is, yeah. running their finger through it to get it back to where they needed to be. And, they, and he's DJing. He mixing and scratching. His boy is rapping and, and another boy was kind of like the hype man and whatnot. And I'm out there as a five-year-old kid soaking it up, right? Rapping about, and so I'm, I'm watching them rap, but I'm also like, oh shoot, I got something in me. So I start rapping about cars, trucks, you know, things that a five-year-old rap about. I'm rapping about, uh, uh, what's it called? Sesame Street, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm rapping about the things that I knew in that time. And my dad was like, man, you got something. You got something in. So from that day forward, that was another one of my passions. Yes, I played baseball. Yes, I loved hoop, but music was like my thing and it still is my thing to this day. It's one of the best ways that I do communicate. So do you still make music? When necessary. When's the last time you recorded a song? 2015. No, that's not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, it's seven years. Yeah, but it ain't, it ain't like, oh, like when I yeah. was 13. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the last time I performed a song was probably like three weeks ago at a high school. Oh, what? Yeah, so, so like See? I said, when necessary, right? So I still use it to attract the audience so, that I'm in front of. So the music that you do, is it like, uh, what? what's the lyrics of like what? Is it like gangster rap? Nah, is it like no, no, no? Yeah, like so. So when I when I made my transition to start getting my life right, right? I told you I met my wife in church. This was a few years after I had a transition and was just like, man, I need to go a different way because the way I was going was going to end up me either a statistic, dead, or in jail. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was like, I need to start making music that represents who I am. So my music was centered around faith and what I believe and the music that I continue to do just continue to evolve with the person that I continue to become. So what people hear from me now, if you see me at your school or at your big youth conference or whatever, it's about purpose, finding your purpose and running in your lane and moving in your passion. And so uh, I'm gonna drop something for y'all real quick. Can I do that? Oh, hell yeah, go, go. Hit it. There is nothing more potent than a focused life. One lived on purpose. You ain't gotta agree with me. I know I'm right. Here's a message. You wanna be effective? Don't waste your life on stuff that doesn't matter. Be selective. Yes, sis, especially with all the friends you got. You got to let them go if they slow you down or hold you so you don't reach the top. If they're not helping you, go and tell them fall back. And if they say, you acting brand new, say, yeah, I'm all that and plenty more. See, this is what I'm living for. No more stand low with the chicken, spread my wings. Now watch this eagle soar. Higher than you ever thought I could or thought I would. See, I was destined to be great. So I had to give up good 
Knowing your purpose motivates your life. Even if you're dealt the wrong hand, still the plan is to play them right. Yeah. Purpose produces passion. Now walk in yours like it's your new fashion. Hey, yeah. that shit's clean. Yeah. Hey, that's badass, bro. That. Hey, <laughs> that shit's clean, yeah, man. man. So, so that's what that's what students get from me nowadays. It's, hey. it's really just encouraging them to be their best. You know what I mean? To dominate their hey. day. Hey, that's dope. Thank you, bro. Hey, and and what I like that is is like you said, you made it you. You're not trying to be something else. Like, dude, this is me. This is what yeah. I'm gonna rap about. Yeah. This is it. And it sounds genuine, yeah. and it sound, and that shit makes it hard. Yeah. You know that's what I'm saying? Right. And uh, I saw a video of you. Uh, I think you put it on your story yesterday when you were uh, you said something. And I'm like, damn, man. I'm like, I'm like, he sound like he rapping. And then little do I know, I'm like, he's a rapper. Oh shit! And it's cra- it's crazy because people bring that up right when I'm speaking. They're like, one, you talk way too fast. <laughs> and I'm like, the difference with me talking fast and other people talking fast is. I've perfected this thing. Yeah. Like I've learned how to talk fast and then slow it down and bring you back in. I'm like a roller coaster ride, right? We finna go and then we finna, I'm about to take you in places you don't know because I want you to have an emotion connected to what I'm saying. People move off emotion, people move off feelings. Yeah. So I'm like, if I can help you generate that by the way that I talk and if I slow it down just enough and bring my tone down just enough, you might lean in and listen to what I'm saying. But if I can keep going like this, then I might catch you off guard to where you're listening for something that you didn't even know you were listening for. So, um, yeah, man, it's just all about perfecting yeah. my craft. No, yeah, it's just a delivery. You help people shit. perfect their craft in here. here. I help people perfect their craft when it comes to communicating effectively. Where did, where did the basketball coaching come? Yeah. Um, that was the other one I wanted to ask you. So I was 19 years old. I was a mentor at the YMCA. So I'm a YMCA kid as well. My grandparents. Uh, my grandfather worked in the YMCA for a long time. My dad worked in the YMCA, my auntie. So I would be at the Y. 19, I got my first job at the YMCA in the summer. And they was like, man, we looking for coaches. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can coach. I ain't never coached before, but I love who? I had a little cousin who was nine years younger than me. Shout out to Mike Badger. Um, my aunt was like, man, bring him on the team. He want to hoop. I'm like, cool. I got my own team. I'm going to coach him. Fast forward, coaching just became my thing. Like, that's what I love to do. I get out here in 2014. So I moved to SAC in 2014. And the year after I, I moved out here, my oldest son was going to Einstein Middle School, which is in the Rosemont area out here in SAC. And uh, he was on the team. He made the basketball team as a, as a uh, seventh grader, made the middle school team. They ended up winning no games. 0-14. I'm like, bro, this ain't it. I'm not coming to watch <laughs> you every... Lose. Now, I can find the lessons in the loss, but man, that's too many lessons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like after 14 games, I don't know what to tell this brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, I'm trying to find a lesson. I know I'm the encouragement expert. I know I'm Mr. Positive and Motivation, but man, I think I gave you everything I could after lost 10. Yeah. But uh, fast forward, the principal was like, the principal was like, man, I hear that you, you know, you love basketball. I hear you had an AAU program with your nonprofit back in the day. Would you be willing to coach? I'm like, yeah, say less. I'm a coach. Fast forward, I coach him his eighth grade year. We go from 0-14 to I think we only lost three games that year, right? So we came in third place. 0-14 to only losing, only losing like three games, uh, third place. The next year, my youngest son comes in to be an eighth grader, and I take that team to the city championship. So we only lost two games that year, and we came in second place. And uh, that's the same year that the Sacramento Kings seen what I was, seen what I was doing, and it was like, oh, not only are you doing great work on the court, but what you're doing with these young men off the court is what we see. So 
we want to honor you as a Sacramento Kings Junior NBA Coach of the Year. That's badass. Yeah, bro. What was the biggest thing you think you brought that they were lacking the when they were 0-14 to when you got them to be third in the league? What, what changed with you? Belief. Belief. The belief that I didn't have, if we go back to my story, the belief that I didn't have as a you freshman, instilled it in I instilled it in them because I didn't want them to go to high school and some junior or senior knocked them off of their road to, to, to purpose. I wanted them to believe. And Man. so I said, you know what? How can I help instill this in them? And the best way that I can instill belief in anyone, but especially young people, but more specifically young men, is to start by believing in them yep. and show them the consistency in my belief. One day, me showing up and saying, I believe in you, yeah. But every day, me showing up the same way, the same encouragement, the same empowerment, the same motivation, the same inspiration, the same challenge, because I know challenges will change you and transform you. When they start seeing that, they was like, oh, not only does he believe, not only does he care, but this guy loves me. And I don't even know him like that. Yeah. A lot of my young men that I used to coach and that I still mentor today, They've never heard a man just say, I love you, and just be genuine about it yeah. and not need nothing from them. I ain't need nothing from them. I just wanted to give everything I could to them yep. so they can have a different outcome and different trajectory and different path to purpose. That's a coach right there. And so, uh, man, that's, that's what was the difference. They had somebody who believed in them Amen. And, and really wanted to see them succeed. I, I feel you on that. Yeah. I, it's probably, I, I see it like in boxing, man. I see that all day when there's, yeah. there's people that are like, I see, I'm like, damn, this kid is so good. Yeah. He just don't believe in himself. Right. As soon as I add a little Come bit on. of a belief into them and still in them, shit changes, Come man. Come on, you're talking good. Yep, everything starts changing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that. So how, what was it like getting that award, uh, getting presented Sacramento Kings Jr., you know, coach? Yeah. Uh, t- tell me what that was like. Because they brought you onto the court. They did. Relive that day for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was April 9th. 19. <laughs> oh, I'm like, hey, he really it, it is though. It was April. Oh, it was April 9, 2017, and I know this because seven days prior, my grandfather passed away. Oh. Eight days prior, I'll say eight or nine days. Uh, my mama tell me when after she see this if I was correct. But eight or nine days prior um, to April 9th, I went to the hospital. He was sick, and knew that he wasn't gonna have too much time left. And I just wanted to show up and let him know, like, hey. Your grandson is about to be awarded Sacramento Kings Junior NBA Coach of the Year on, on the arena floor for the work that I do. And I just want to thank you for what you've done for me. Um, and two days later, he passes away. You dig what I'm saying? We knew that it, it wasn't going to be too many days, but I just wanted to make sure that he got to hear, yeah, he hear from me. Um, because again, my grandparents, they, they poured into me, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They gave me everything that I couldn't even imagine I should even have or need to be the man that I am today. And so he's one of the reasons, and my other grandparents are one of the reasons why I pay it forward, you know what I mean? And so um, April 9th, boom, it was a special day because one, I'm, I'm about to honor all my family for what they've done in this arena. Uh, I believe it was at the Golden One. I, that was probably right when the Golden One was- Yeah, it opened around Kraken. 2015. Yeah, and so- 16, um, I think, not 16. The dopest part, here's what I say, because it, it's a lot to the story. The dopest part about that day was that I had my kids and my, and my family Everyone up in the stands, right? For them to be able to see their dad and my wife be able to see her husband doing something um, and receiving something for the things that I do because they know me, Community. right? They know that I don't do the work to get the reward. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need the, the prize. 
I'm doing the work because one, the work needs to be done. You mm -hmm. know this, the work just needs to be done. Somebody got to do the work. And if I don't see nobody doing the work, or even if I do, I know I have something to input and invest in these young people. So one, they knew the work that I've been doing. Two, they knew the work that I've been doing since 05, really since I was 19, right? People didn't know that. The people who gave me the award didn't know that I started coaching at the YMCA, what the story yeah. I just told you, but I've been doing the work. Not looking for nothing, but just, man, I want you to believe in yourself. I want you yeah. to be the very best version of you that you were created to be every moment, second, minute, hour of every day, every week, every month, every year for the rest of your life. That was my input and investment. So to be able to receive a reward from a global <laughs> franchise, right, that's known all over the world was, was humongous. For them to see something in me, in to you. see my work, that I didn't even know, I didn't even know this award existed. I'm gonna keep it solid with you. I didn't know it existed. I found out later that this was the first year that they ever done it. Like I was the inaugural one. So I wasn't doing it for that. I was doing it for those 14, 15 young men. Um, so that part was dope. Here's the doper part. After that day, it put me in a competition with all the other NBA teams that all had their own coach of the year. Oh, really? So understand 32 teams, they all had their own coach of the year in, in their area. Yeah. So now I'm in a competition to see who's going to be the overall NBA junior coach of the year. Oh, that's right? pretty dope. Um, so because of that, the Sacramento Kings was like, hey, we need to get you on interviews. We need to like get the city to rally around you. You know what I mean? And I'm like, cool, because in my mind, here's what I knew. If you're going to interview me, I'm going to always have my boys with me. And I wasn't just talking about my sons. I'm talking about the team that I had with me that even put me in a position to be standing in front of this camera. And the other piece was a lot of my young men, you know, they black and brown. They've never been in front of a news camera for something positive. Mm -hmm. I was like, I get to shine a light on y'all. And so I was telling every news station, uh, ABC 10, KCRA, if you want to interview me, my boys is rocking with me. And so I was getting them interviews. Literally, like I'm putting, I'm like, oh, let him do this one. Let him do this one. Let him do this one. I'll do part of it. You know what I mean? And so it was just another opportunity for me to shine the light where it needed to be shined because it, it was less about me. It was more about them. So that winning that That's was badass. dope. But the bigger part of me winning that was, man, I got to shine a light on my young kings. Yeah. Yeah. Badass. So what was the competition between you and all the other coaches of the year? Like what did, exactly was the competition? Um, so we, we got to, we had to get on a phone call with the NBA and I killed that. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can see I, so that. I did that and then it was one other thing. I made it to the top eight and from the eight, they were gonna pick their final three to go to, uh, I think it was New York at the time. So I made it to the top eight and then after the top eight, it was just voting. So Sack, y'all didn't do what y'all supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> it was all voting from it there? It was voting from there. So it, it didn't have anything to do with everything prior. It was just who gets the most votes. And again, it's a business. I'm yeah. a businessman. Yeah. If there are thousands of people tweeting about me being the junior NBA coach of the year for the Sacramento Kings. How many more people who don't even care about basketball, but only care about, oh man, this guy or whatever. People gonna know about the Kings. Yeah. People gonna know about the NBA. People gonna know about what the junior NBA has going on. So as a businessman, I understood it, right? You get, if I get 20,000 votes, that means 20,000 people tweeted about the Kings and the junior NBA. It was really less about me. Yeah. I feel like it was really less about any <laughs> of us like that because I'm getting beat by people who got 50,000 tweets in Chicago and all this. So the NBA knew what they was doing. Yeah. But I'm still grateful for it. You know what I mean? I played my role in it. I still do. At the end of the day, the day you my, made an impact. Folks, they were on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, bro.
That's a dope ass story. Appreciate I fucking that. Love. I can hear that every day. That's dope. Yeah, man. So where yeah. where did the motivational and like the talks at school and all that? How did that come about? What um, year did you start doing that? Give us a, the history on that. Yeah. So I was 19 when I gave my first talk at a boys and girls club. I believe it was at a boys and girls club, and I I didn't get paid for it. I just was showing up, uh, doing some volunteer work because I was in college at the time. Mm -hmm. And I told you I was a YMCA kid. Boys and Girls Club, like the cousin of the YMCA. And so uh, I'm doing some volunteer work. A gentleman was supposed to show up and talk to like 15, 20 kids for like 30 minutes. Gentleman does not show up. So I'm there watching the kids, right? And, <laughs> and the lady was like, hey, can you just talk to the kids? Because we waiting on such and such to get here. I'm like, yeah, cool. What you want to talk about? She's like, I'll just talk about you in college. These kids need to know that, hey, they can look like you and still pursue college. Cool. I tell them my story. Tell them I'm in college. Uh, talk. They asking me questions. It's just a great vibe. Well, I'm thinking I was only talking for five minutes. This lady was like, wow, you know, that was like a 20, 25 minute presentation that you, that was amazing. How often do you do this? And I'm like, I've never <laughs> done this. And, and then, and, but I was really thinking like, what did I do? Cause I'm just having a conversation with these kids. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I didn't do nothing special. <laughs> That's hella funny. And so uh, long story short, she was like, would you mind doing this again for another boys and girls club? And I was like, yeah, I ain't tripping. So she sent me to another boys and girls club. I'm doing it. Boom. I get done. Do same thing. Same story. All that. To some kids. I get, I get ready to go. A gentleman hands me an envelope. And I'm like, what's, what's this? He was like, oh, this is for you speaking. I'm like, okay. Don't open an envelope. I go out the door. Open the envelope. I see a check for $75. Now, you got to remember, I'm from the Bay Area. Richmond, California. I done seen a lot, bruh. I just got paid $75 to talk to some kids for 15 minutes? <laughs> Wait a minute. There might be something to this thing right here. Okay, so then I'm, I'm calculating. Okay, if $75 for 15 minutes, 150 for 30 minutes, I'm just going, I'm like, well, if I talk for four hours, I'm, I'm about to run rich. a bag up. Yeah, I'm rich. Um, but, but that was like my first introduction. That's my first time ever getting paid. I didn't have the vision for it at that point, but it was always in, in me. your heart too. The reality was it's been in me since shoot. My dad introduced me to rap back at five years old because it's all communication. Mm -hmm. It's all me sharing a message. Just when I was a kid, I'm formulating it into music. Well, right now I'm just formulating it acapella with no music. Right. Yeah. And I'm just talking and, and giving words, but I'm still rhyming. I'm still doing different stuff. So fast forward. Um, I think I was about 23. So maybe four years later is when I really began to take this thing seriously. And I, I probably got paid my first big check at the time it was like 150 to go speak to a, uh, a group of middle schoolers. And from then, bro, it's been it's been on. So it's been 17 years since I've been doing what I do. And I've it's always been schools. Uh, so it started started schools. Then it would be like nonprofit organizations. Then it would be YMCA's. Then it would be conferences. Then it would be uh, youth summits. And then it would be um, these. I, I forgot what it's called. These things where they bring in like a, a all city thing, right? Oh, okay, where they bring okay. in yeah, from yeah, all yeah. over everybody and do something like that, like um, in the community center. Yeah. So I've had the opportunity, man, to do stuff throughout multiple states in California. I mean, multiple cities in California, multiple states throughout the country. I've even been to Australia three years in a row on tour, doing exactly what I just shared with you with young people. So at one point of the day, I'm in schools. In the night, they turn it into a concert. So now I'm booked for. I'm the speaker here. But you're going to come later on and get motivated, inspired, encouraged through music by the same person. So I was in Australia, 07, 08, and 09. I'm in Australia. Uh, been to the Grand Cayman Islands doing this. And so, yeah, bro, 17 years strong. What's your, do you have a rap, uh, like, artist name? So I used to go by the name Transparent, mm -hmm. which, I mean, 
we talked about it, right? Like transparent, me. Yeah, that's you know nice. what I mean. And um, so why is it it used to be? I actually like that. Just because I don't lead with it no more. Oh, okay. So people who know me, some people still call me transparent, which is cool. Um, but I just don't lead with it because, and I, I don't think I've ever said this out loud to anyone, um, but I'm gonna say it for y'all. Um, when I named myself transparent, it was in a point in my life where I was really focused on trying to change who I was, right, mm. for the good. And I, I, I got involved in church. Um, at that point, I accepted Christ. And so I was heavy, heavy in the faith and all that. And so my thing was transparent really meant at that point, see Christ through me. Like, don't see me, see what I believe, yeah. right? Um, and then there got a point in time where I was like, man, I'm not upholding <laughs> these things that I once believed like I used to. So I don't even want to have that because it began to be almost a convicting feeling like, man, you're not doing or being who you say you are. And yeah. I'm never a person to try to be something that I'm not. I'm not trying to be no fake, phony or fraud. So I was like, eh, I'm going to just drop the transparent for right now and just be Dwight. Um, okay. I picked transparent back up probably about 2000. <clears throat> 16, 17, right around me coaching the boys because I was like, man, I'm going to be transparent and it won't just be what I said it was going to be in the beginning, but it's just going to be what you see is what you get. Yeah. If you see me right here in this in this ring as we talking, you're going to see the same me outside. You're going to see the same me in Walmart. You're going to see the same. My family is going to see the same me behind, mm -hmm. you know, at home in, in our four walls, because what I would what I would hate is for me and you to leave from here. And you like, man, Dwight, you dope. You man, thank you so much. You solid. And my wife and my kids to see this video and they'd be like he don't even know this ain't you that would be something that would kill me bro yeah and so for me i take on the transparent thing now just internally because i just want to be the same 24 7 365. that's dope yeah. i feel that i feel that man yeah so are, is your faith still you still got a strong faith Super strong. still you Super still strong. involved in church and yeah everything? yeah so you i mean you're a christian yes i am what uh like Pentecostal Baptist. I don't have no denomination. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just believe, bro. You it's know what I mean? So, so going back, right? Faith comes from me believing, but that belief, I trace it back. I trace it back to I'm a I'm a freshman in yeah. high school and had no belief. My grandparents had the belief in me, but they had a strong belief because they were big in the faith, still are, right? They 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 love God, they love Jesus, and they gave me that faith and instilled it in me. But remember, freshman year, I couldn't even see it in myself. Yeah. Now, everything I do is based <clears throat> on my faith and based on what I believe. And I just believe, man, that people desire to be cared for, valued, and heard. And if I can do that 24 7, 365, then I'm doing my job. Hell yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, man. <laughs> amen. My man said amen. Amen. <laughs> That's what's up. Hey, uh, so tell us about your books, man. You bought you bought your books here. Yeah, uh, Dominate Your Day. Yeah. 30 Empower Statements and Encourage Facts. Greatness. Tell us about yeah. it. Yeah, so uh, this one dropped. Dominate Your Day, 100 Empower Statements dropped in 2017. And then I dropped this one for students in 2019. And uh, it's really just empowering statements that encourage greatness. Like, if you are inspired or empowered by anything you hear me saying, the majority of it is coming straight out of here. And the majority of this comes from my grandparents. Literally, I packaged up everything that they once told me or I seen them uh, do and, and I observed and put it in book form because 97% of the best things that come from me come from them. Yeah. Like when you see, when, when people feel that I'm great or I'm amazing, that's, like that's them. 
I, I don't take no credit for that. Like they poured into me, uh, my family, my tribe, my village poured into me. And so one of my ways for paying it forward was let me not let this go to waste. Let me share it. So I used to, you know, speak at schools and I would leave schools and kids would be like, what did you say? What was that one story you told or what was that statement you made? And so after hearing that enough from them, from teachers, I was like, let me just put it in book form. Right. And so, uh, yeah, so these are my two books. Um, and, it, and it's really just about giving you a perfect effort and nothing less. And what I mean by perfect effort is the E, you eliminate excuses. We don't need no excuses. The F, you face your fears. The other F, you focus your attention because where your focus goes, your energy flows. The O is optimistic belief. Like you got to believe, belief that something greater is going to happen. The R is respond well, because here's what I believe. We may not be able to control everything that happens to us, but we can always control how we respond to everything that happens to us. Yeah. Think about how much power that gives us, right? Like somebody can come to my face and cuss me out. Now the old me, we probably have a problem. Right now, I get to choose how I want to respond to that. That's power. I'm not going to let somebody just take my power. I know what, I, what I'm here for. You dig yeah. what I'm saying? So the R in perfect effort is respond well, and the T is talk to yourself. And what I mean by that is we got to have our self-talk on point. You dig what I'm saying? We got to start telling us, man, I am strong. I am courageous. I am valuable. I am loved. I am cared for. We got to say that stuff because people outside of us, they want to they want to tear us down. Yeah. And so, uh, yes, yeah, empowerment, encouragement, self-awareness all wrapped into this. But really just, man, give you a perfect effort and nothing less. 24-7, 365. Hell yeah. Yeah. And when you said this is about students, is it a specific age group students or just students? So I'm general? saying students. Now, for business reasons, I have to categorize it for a certain audience, but I got second graders that love this book. You know oh, what okay. I mean? But if you categorize it uh, in the educational space, it's really for the fifth to sixth grader up to the high schooler. Okay. So it's, it's fifth to 12th, but I got college kids at Sac State. When I go speak there, they love this book. Then they go get this one because they're like, oh, it's only 30. I need 100. I need this to keep me daily for 100 days. But again, I got third and fourth graders that can understand this. And one of the things that I always want to be, along with being transparent, is relatable. So these books is easy to read and I'm easy to access. If you don't understand something in here, just tap in with me. <laughs> or if you can't find me, holler at my man and he'll Let's get you go. connected. I got you. you. He's in Rancho. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on blast. Hey, 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 if you pull up, make sure you knock first because it might be a problem. <laughs> you might get the old, you may get the rich men out of him. You may get the rich men pulled yeah, out man. of him. Yeah. That's badass. So why is all this important to you? Like, why is, you know, talking and feeding it to our community, to our kids, writing books, all this, why is this important to Dwight? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, I got a few answers. I got a lot of answers for that, but the biggest reason for why these books, which are extension of me, um, my speaking, extension of me, um, my coaching that I do with leaders, extension of me, mm -hmm. Why all this is important is because the only reason that they're an extension of me is because I'm an extension of the people I named earlier. And so they invested in me. The best return on investment that I can give them is not money. It's not materials. It's this. It's keeping the momentum going. It's paying it forward and helping people become their best version of themselves. Because if you're your best version, I'm my, I'm my best version. My man who's killing it on the camera, his best version. Yeah. Imagine what happens when now we step out into our sphere of influence. Now you're going to influence people as your best version. I'm going to influence people as my best version. You're going to influence people as your best version. The world looks different. But now imagine those people that you just influenced doing the same thing. It looks different. Yep. 
And so one of the best ways that I can be a part of that change and really be the change that I want to see is by giving extensions of me, but really extensions of my grandparents. Hell That's why yeah. it's important. That's a fucking great answer, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's that, important. That deserves a hallelujah, man. That's what's up. That's yeah, what's yeah, up. That was good. That's what's up. So you're a great communicator, man. You're, Appreciate you're, that. You're, you're, you're everything, your energy, just how you deliver everything is yeah. amazing. What are the keys to communication you think that you you can share with mm. us? What's something that, how, how do we become this person yeah. that can communicate to our significant other, mm. to our people that we're gonna influence, our circle? How, what, yeah. what's a tip you can give us? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say two things. One, there's a difference between communication and effective communication, mm -hmm. right? I am an effective communicator. I'm not just a communicator. communicator. Like there's a difference. Communication is a sender and a receiver. So I'm focused on me sending the message. Hopefully you getting the message. Hopefully you getting the message, <laughs> right? But I'm not concerned about you getting the message. I just want to send it and maybe you're going to receive it. Effective communication says, yes, send a receiver, but it also says, I want to make sure you understand what I just gave you. That's the huge difference between just being a communicator and an effective communicator. So that's number one. Um, one of the big tips that I can give on being an effective communicator, because I don't want you to just communicate, I want you to communicate effectively, is listen more than you talk. My grandfather said a long time ago, you got two ears and one mouth. What do you think that means? Listen more than we talk. We know what we know. I'm trying to find out what you know. Yeah. Because if I can find out what you know, not only can I learn, I can learn about you, I can learn how you think, and when I get all that information, see, I'm an information gatherer. When I get all that information, then I know how to respond well to you. Yeah. Then I know how to best serve you. I can't serve my, my young men that I was working with if I only was talking, if I've on, even if I'm only encouraging them. If I'm not asking them quality, curious, and creative questions about how they're feeling, um, what are their fears, what are the things they love, what are their desires, who do they desire to be? If I don't know that information, I can't serve them at the highest level. I'm all about servant leadership. I'm all about servanthood. That comes from my faith. I'm trying to serve you well. So the best way I can serve you is by knowing about you. And the best way for me to know about you is not to assume but to ask. So you want to be an effective communicator? Listen more than you talk. But now we need to find out how do we listen and what do we listen for? Well, you got to start asking the questions. Mm -hmm. So I say, make less statements and ask more questions. And if you want to ask the greatest questions, I'm about to give y'all the game. It's a hack. I usually charge for this because, but, but because it's for my guy, I'm going to give it to y'all for free. Oh, shit. All you got to do is Pay -per -view. this. Ask who, what, when, where, why, and how. Don't ask people closed-ended uh, questions, which end with yes or no, right? That's how somebody responds. Ask open-ended questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how? The more you ask those questions in a conversation, I want y'all to try this. The more you answer this, I mean, ask these type of questions, the more you start unraveling the onion of a person in a great way. Mm -hmm. I guarantee if I ask you one question, I ask you a what question, what got you into boxing, you would answer. And then I would say, oh man, when did that happen? You would tell me when. Who introduced you to it? What do you feel about that person who introduced you to it? What type of connection do you still have to that person that, connect, that introduced you to it? Think about where I just took you with just who, mm -hmm. what, when, where, why, and how. How do you feel now about that person? How do you feel now about boxing? How do you feel about yourself moving forward in the next five years? I'm going to learn so much about you, but I only want to learn about you so I can serve you. Yep. That's it. So. Y'all use that. I mean, I got so much more. This is what I do. Um, I got a new course coming out. Can I plug that real quick? 
Shout I out. got a new course, um, not coming out, it's out right now. It's called Hacking Your Relationships Like a Pro, How to Build Bridges Instead of Barriers in All of Your Relationships. And if you heard anything we was talking about, all I'm talking about is building relationships yeah. and building bridges, right? That's some and great so, stuff too. So tap in with that. You can go to dwighteducates.thinkific.com and uh, tap in with the course. But just take some of the stuff I told you just now and your life will look different. Period. Hell yeah. Yeah. And it's it's actually perfect time that you said that. The previous episode on the podcast, I literally talk about that. <laughs> I literally talk about that exact thing. That's about we up. have to be better listeners. Come on. Better listeners. Come on. And the way I describe it here is when someone, for example, comes to the gym, mm. before I sign them up, before anything, yeah. I listen to why they're here. Mm. Why they want to be here. Do you want to compete? Do you want to be the next world champion? Do you want to lose weight? Yeah. What are you looking for? Yeah. And when I know what you're looking for, I know where I can place Come you on. so you to be successful. Come on. And that's exactly what you just said. But that's because you're a high-level communicator. Yeah. That's why. Yep. Like, you understand the foundation of it is listening. That's mm-hmm. the foundation. And if what happens when, not if, what happens when you teach that to every person that walks in here? Yep. The world looks different because now yeah, we're yeah. all listening. Here's the thing. People want to be understood and they want to understand. That's life. I want to be understood. When I share something with you, I want to be understood and I want to understand. And if I can do both of those things, then I have a better shot at life. Yep. Well, you only get that way by communicating the way that we just mentioned. So, exactly. Yeah. Man, this dude is the fucking amazing dude. You're bringing in, man. Thank you, man, for sharing all this, man. You're bringing man. fire. Like, Appreciate that, and, bro. And what I love about this is you're bringing not just good stuff in general, just like that will help us you're mm. bringing things that's going to help the community mm. you know what i'm saying you're 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 changing more than just one person wow. you're changing the community and just all that man it's amazing to just be around you and i'm blessed to have you on here man, man. and just to be able to talk to you and, and have these conversations i'm literally sitting here i think out of all the podcasts this is the one where i'm least talking and i'm just listening mm. i'm just sitting here and i'm just like dude my guy dwight is bringing wow. fire so thank you man Appreciate for that, real, bro. thank you, Appreciate and I'm that. I'm blessed. You, I'm blessed to uh, to um, to have this, and I feel like God heard my my calling uh, yesterday because mm. I, I pray at night and I okay. prayed last night, and uh, I just asked for this week to be a great week and, and mm. connect with something and bring 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 something something new to me mm. and some good energy and and let's look go. look who shows up let's look go. who shows up let's go look who shows up come on bro man that's some fire. So let's get back on the uh, on uh, on the podcast, but yeah. with with let's add a little fun to this now. Let's do it. Not that we weren't having fun. <laughs> but, let's do it. But let's add it. Let's make it make it interesting. If you're on a on a Friday night date, Saturday night date with your wife, where are you guys going? To a sushi restaurant. Any sushi restaurant or a specific sushi restaurant? The specific sushi restaurant that my wife selects. <laughs> hey, hey. You don't see this, huh, baby? Collecting yeah. bridges. See, these are Come the bridges on. he's talking Come about. Because she's going to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> whatever she yeah, wants. Whatever she wants. Oh, man. Your wife is probably not like mine then. My wife, I ask her, what you want to eat? Mm. She says, whatever you want, mm. right? And then I pick, and then she's like, except there. Mm. I'm like, well, then it's not whatever I want. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And we'd be fighting. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do out here in in this area? Like activity. Hey, um, I like to go to play golf. I like to go to the river. I like, what's your favorite activity out here to do? I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. I don't think I've even asked myself that question. <laughs> no, for real. Um, I'm a family guy. Hey, that's so, me too, man. 
Hell yeah. If we go somewhere or if we stay home, as long as I'm with my family, that's I'm in the best place. When yeah. I'm with my family, I'm in the best place. So my grandparents, the parents, grandparents that I was talking about on my dad's side, they're still alive. Um, and my grandmother, who's on my mom's side, they were all out here a few weeks ago. And yeah. everybody came to the house. We had like 30 deep at our house. Oh, um, shit. And because they wanted to see my granddaughter. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so um, they was like, you want to go here? You want to go here? We want to go here. And we just came to the conclusion that just being together was the best place to be. So yeah. wherever my family is, that's that's where I want to be. That's good. Yeah. What's family like? Uh, what's family time like in your household? Like, are you guys watching a movie together? Are you guys playing games together? Yeah. Are you guys, what is it like? Video games? Yeah. What, what's it like? It's Sh all of that. It's all of that. Um, it just depends on what day it is. Mm -hmm. And it depends on what kind of mood everybody is in. Yeah. Right? We don't got like little kids. And so, yeah, you, got you know, we got... I'm, I, my, my I'm young, assuming you guys doing maybe some physical activity outside, like some football or so, some so basketball. So we, we do we do basketball um, when I'm in shape. I'm not like oh, this no. sweatshirt is doing a good job right nah, now. You look yeah. good, bro. Thank you, brother. You but I'm good. hiding it. I'm gonna keep it transparent with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hiding it well. I, I just hit forty, right? Oh, so I got some, good, I got brother. some extra stuff on me, but I'm I'm working on getting off. But when I'm when I'm feeling good and in shape, we have to, we hooping. Like that's yeah. what we doing. But when we in the house, we we doing this. We boxing with each other. Like we roughhousing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? My daughter, she got hands, bro. For real? Yeah, I'm gonna have to bring her in here. She yeah, got hands, yeah. and uh, so any fifth, sixth, seventh, and when she go to middle, it. when she go to middle school, any boys that's trying to do, don't even worry about me. She got worry about her. You gotta worry about her. But um, <laughs> yeah, we, we play games. You know what I'm saying? We play the video game. We got the uh, uh, I forgot what it's called, the Oculus. Oh, bro, I tried that the for Oculus. the first time this week. Yeah, yeah, we got the Oculus, so we be on that sometime. But again, whatever we find to do with each other, it's cool. But I'm gonna keep it real. We not the family that's. We're not sitting at the table every night together. You know, we're very intentional about, man, how's the how's the house feeling? What are we trying to do, right? And so one of the big things that we know is that sometimes we just need our space. Yep. Sometimes I need to be in my office. My wife needs to be in her office. My daughter needs to be in her room. Like sometimes we do need that yeah. space. The, but it's all about communication. It's all about understanding, okay, this is where such and such is today. This is where I'm feeling. This is what I need today. And so- uh, How yeah. do you do that? How do you communicate that with your family? I tell him. So you tell him, hey, leave me alone. I'm going to chill for a little bit. I probably don't say that. <laughs> but no, I tell him. I, I say, hey, if I'm talking to my kids, hey, dad is in this type of space. I just got back from an, an amazing, but let me say my words, a phenomenal amazing podcast with my man in his gym, and I need to decompress. So give me about 30 minutes to an hour to just come down so I can give you my undivided attention. That's how I communicate. Yeah. So now when my daughter is feeling a certain way at 11 years old, she's able to come and say, Dad, you asking me a lot of questions about how school was. I do want to answer you, but just let me get some time to breathe for a second. And I respect that. Yeah. I'm trying to build better communicators. Now, my boys, they know how to communicate. Sometimes they just be like, not right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, hey, that's good right there. Yeah, I, like, I like how you said that. How yeah. you, like, you gave them the explanation of how you're feeling. Facts. They understand. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see how that'd be yeah. tiring. Yeah. Right. People yeah. understand feelings. Yep. People understand may not understand feelings. a situation. Man, right? I say that. Me and yeah. you are different in how we grew up and all that. But if I talk to you about a certain feeling, you can relate to that. Yeah. And like I said, we building bridges. And feelings deal with empathy. Oh, I want to put myself in your shoes. You're going to put yourself in mine to see, oh, man. He said he felt like that. Well, maybe my grandfather didn't pass nine days before. I went to do something great, but I can understand the feeling of oh. maybe having a, losing a loved one. Yeah. Right? So now we connect on that. So, uh, yeah, feelings is big. Man. Hell yeah. Man, they got all sorts of heat. All sorts of all sorts of heat. So my the podcast usually air on Mondays. Do okay. you have a do you have 
a Monday ritual, how you like to start your week? Mm. Do you have anything that you're like, man, I start my week like this? Um, nah, I'm, I'm very routine. Mm -hmm. So I, I, we talked about it. I get up at 3.30 uh, and I got a routine from 3.30 all the way to about 8.30. And I don't break that routine Monday through Friday. I literally have the same routine over and over. Um, so that's me because I need it. Now, some people, one of my best friends, my business partners, Courtney Sargent Sr., go to Sergeant Brandon. My man is like, I don't need no routine. I don't like routines. Like, don't give that to me. And here's the thing, it's self-awareness. We each got to know each other because I can give you something that I do and say you should try it. And maybe you should try it, but find maybe what works for, for you. you. Yep. Find what works for you. And so um, that's me on the routine. But every morning I'm up, I got quiet time, I'm praying, I'm meditating. And the next thing I'm doing is affirming myself. I'm a great husband. Even if I didn't do well the night before, I'm a great <laughs> husband. I'm a great father. Yeah. I'm a great son. I'm a great grandson. I'm a great grandfather. I'm a great nephew. I'm a great uncle. I'm and a great you, brother. When you do these, do you say them out loud oh, like yeah. you're doing now? Yeah, facts. Where do facts. you do this? In my office. So you go in yeah. your office alone? I'm, I'm in my office by myself. And I'm saying, I'm affirming myself because I know that there are going to be so many other things either on social media or wherever I go that's going to try to bring me bring you to another place. So I got to be the one, like I said, in perfect effort. We got to talk to ourselves. I got to be the one to talk myself up for the day. Yep. And if I can start that way before I jump on social media, before I get on a phone call. There's nothing that's going to change it. Bruh, nothing I'm locked it. in. Hell yeah. I actually, I got to share this. I, I have very, this happens all the time. And I actually see this a lot more in girls mm. in the gym. And not that the girls are the only one that deal with this. I think guys do too, but they hide it more. Mm. And I, I get girls that come in teenage and they're sad and they're already down mm. and they're just heartbroken because of how they feel about themselves. Mm. And I literally tell them exactly what you did. Mm. I tell them, I put them in front of a mirror and I, and I hug them. And I tell them, what do you see? What do you see? And I'm like, and then they got, I, I got here. And most of it, most of the time it's all down stuff. I'm like, you gotta see yourself beautiful. You gotta tell these things. I'm like, you gotta tell yourself that every day. And you know what? I like how you do that, man. When you're like, hey, I'm a great husband. I'm a great this. I'm gonna yeah. try that. I definitely don't do it like that. Yeah. I do it, I do it a little different. I do do it just differently. Yeah. And I, I'm going to try yours. I've never done it that. Bruh, I'm going to try it like that. It's different because, you know, I call them I am statements. Mm -hmm. Anything that comes after I am is powerful because it tells you exactly who you are. Yeah. So even though I'm not the best father, and even if I would have messed up five minutes prior, right, maybe I didn't give my wife a kiss before I left, I'm still speaking aspirationally of the person who I desire to be. Yeah. The more I say it, the more I believe it, the quicker I become it. I'm saying I'm a great father. Why? So I can believe that I'm a great father. So I can be a great father. That's all I'm doing. I'm, I'm hyping myself. I'm my yeah. own hype man. Yeah, be your own <laughs> hype man. Hey, man. Yeah. All right. So, hey, how can people connect with you, man? How can we stay in touch with you? Give us your Back. social media, yeah. your everything. Let us know how we yeah. connect so, with uh, you. So you can go to DwightTaylorSenior.com. That's D-W-I-G-H-T-T-A-Y-L-O-R-S-R.com. And you can find everything you need to know about me, or you can find me on Instagram where we connected, right? Yes, sir. At Dwight Taylor SR. I'm on Twitter, the same thing. I'll be dropping gems on Twitter. My Twitter following is low, but that's cool. But I'll be dropping gems <laughs> on Twitter for real. And usually I use Twitter as like a, a place that I'm like a, a quick storage place. That's really what I use it for. So if I got something real quick I want to say and remember, I drop it there. But tap in with me on Twitter and uh, tap in with me on my course. It, it, it's going up. So, and if you can't get a hold of me, Wherever I'm looking, 
Tap in with my man. He, he knows Boom, we got you. Yeah. All right. So I usually end it with the outro, but... Yeah, end it with I, the outro. No, no, no. Bro, end it with the outro. No, I like yours. <laughs> hey, what my okay. guy said yesterday... Uh, do you remember? I don't even know what I said yesterday. You said... It was on your gram, on the gram, on the story. You said... Dominate your day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's end it with yeah, that. I like that. that. I thought it, I, 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 when I saw that, I yeah. said, no wonder Curry warmed up to him. Yeah. Bruh, we didn't even get into that, but that's a whole nother thing. Curry yeah. warmed up to his song. Warmed up to my song. Two years in a row, every home game. Two years in a row. And I still ain't got my ring. And he, <laughs> so he specifically asked for your song? Two years in Look a row. Look how I'm looking at you, Curry. Man. I still ain't got my ring. So his DJ, DJ D Sharp. Um, I don't even know, to be honest. I don't even know how D Sharp got the music, but every home game, Curry come out and do what we see him doing. And um, yeah, he continued to play. I think he probably heard it once and was like, oh man, I'm feeling this. And for two years in a row, every home game, they played the song. So people would go to the games and give me, they'd be like, Dwight, look, I got some footage. He playing it again. Um, the biggest thing was it got tweeted by the NBA. Not my song, but Steph was shooting from like half court, but my song was playing. So now people trying to find out what song is playing in the arena when they seen this tweet. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. But like my man wanted me to do, right? He let's, wanted me to close say, out. That's how we're gonna end it this week. And, um, and I'm gonna close out exactly how I do it any other time. Um, I'm gonna leave you like I always leave you and encourage you like I always encourage you. Be your best, forget the rest, give your perfect effort and nothing less. Your future, you will thank you for it. Dominate your day. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Let's get it. Boom! Let's get it. We out. Yeah. Thank you, brother. All Thank good. You. Thank you for having me.